was this, was this very rich chocolate sauce on the side. Right, because not everybody likes it on the cake because it makes it very soggy. Particularly the coconut soaks up a lot of that stuff, so you really, it's important to keep it on the side. Right. It had to be you. It had to be you. I wandered around and finally found the somebody who could make me be We just finished watching uh, When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> that is... Who is that? Is, did you say that's Harry Connick Jr.? Yeah, he did all or most of the music for the movie, and he toured and he won awards for it. I don't know. As well he should have. <laughs> oh, you are listening to Bonnie and Ma, the film podcast. I'm Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Ksenia Yarosh. We are here today to talk about and pay homage to a wonderful woman who we recently lost. Nora Ephron. Yes, Nora Ephron. We're going to try not to cry throughout this discussion. Although I almost cried like like a minute ago at the end of the, the Billy Crystal's big speech at the end of When Harry Met Sally. It's so sweet. Yeah. Oh, it's just so <laughs> honest. Okay, we'll get into that in a moment. Today, in honor of Nora Ephron, we're going to be looking at two movies that she wrote back to back, and they're early ones, Heartburn. Uh, from 1986, which was the second movie that she wrote as a screenwriter, Mm -hmm. and When Harry Met Sally, a classic Mm -hmm. um, from 1989, which she uh, wrote and produced. She didn't direct. So we're not going to be talking about any of the films that she directed today uh, in great detail, although we've seen many of them. Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, Julie and Julia, (laughs) Michael. Oh, goodness. We don't have to talk about Michael. (laughs) I don't want to talk about Michael. We won't talk about Michael. But yeah, we wanted to look at one of her classic movies and mm-hmm. uh, classic screenplays and one that's maybe not quite as well known. Mm-hmm. And also, I guess, wasn't as successful. But yes, Nora Ephron, we miss you. Uh, she was so great for so many reasons. Do you remember the first movie or experience that you had with something that was hers, even if you didn't know it yet? Um, Probably Sleepless in Seattle was the first one that I saw as a teenager. I, I think I've I've only really started to appreciate her in the past five years or so. Um, I, I think I was a little too cynical before. <laughs> Can Nora's movies only be appreciated by sincere people? Do they make sincere people out of us? That's that's probably more accurate. I I think her movies eventually made me grow up a little more and make peace with the sentimental parts of myself. <laughs> Even even today, I was sort of resisting all the emotional turns of Harry Met Sally, and I and I think I distanced myself towards the end because I I, I didn't want to get overwhelmed, so I started overthinking it. Like, why didn't this movie go another way? Why aren't they friends instead? Like, you wanted it to result in a different ending. Yeah. How come? Because I have so many male friends, and like. There really aren't movies about male-female friendship where that lasts and it doesn't just become romance. Like, they don't end up and love and married, etc. I mean, I knew how this ended, but I, I wanted to take a different direction. I think a lot of movies these days try to approach the, like, modern ways that men and women connect with each other like last year i think there were this that pair of movies that essentially were about the same thing there was no strings attached and friends with benefits both about exactly um 
can you sustain platonic friendships, as is the question that When Harry Met Sally asks, but can men and women maintain sexual friendships? Mm -hmm. But in those movies, the answer is no. And then this year, friends with kids? Yeah. A couple tries to be parents and friends without actually being married or in any sort of romantic relationship. And, like, I don't want to spoil it, but they do end up together at the end. Like, it's just... I I want I just want friendship to win one of these days. <laughs> as much as I appreciate romance, I I want to see something different. I know what you're saying. I mean, I wish we could ask Nora if she herself believes that men and women can be platonic friends. She'd probably say yes, I think. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said for the fact that most if not all of her movies end in the big kiss at the end and the romantic (laughs) swell of music and they lived happily ever after and even though we can't necessarily relate to that like i was definitely watching when harry met sally thinking well i have lots of male friends that are platonic and it's okay i feel like we don't have to relate to these movies just because we relate to the emotions in them not necessarily the situations around them uh we relate to some of the emotions but at the same time like when harry met sally has so many just like quirky conversations that are so movie-esque that I don't know that I've ever had with anyone. Which sort of, again, makes me feel removed from the movie as much as it does pull my emotional strings. Should we talk about Heartburn now? Uh, so I read about Heartburn because, oh, like, I've I watched it so many times. I, I watched it maybe four times already, and I'm a big fan. And then yesterday I was reading Ebert's original review of it from 1989, and it made me really mad. What did it say? It basically said that it wasn't funny enough and that um, Nora Ephron shouldn't have used her personal life because clearly she wasn't over things and it just made the whole thing seem bitter and they weren't interesting characters and the actors had no chemistry. Just, like, all these things piled on when it's, like, it wasn't intended to be a funny ha-ha comedy. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I should summarize the story. It's based on Nora Ephron's actual second marriage to Carl Bernstein. But in the film, it's Rachel and Mark, who are played by uh, Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. And basically, they come together, they fall in love, he cheats on her she's pregnant, he cheats on her again. I mean, that's, like, (laughs) the story is so sparse. It's more just about, like, the moments they have together and, like, the relationships that they have with their friends, etc. This movie is not really a comedy. There are definitely some comic elements to it, but it's more a drama. Yeah. I mean, it's not a drama akin to Casablanca. No. It's not life or death necessarily. Yeah. Um, but it's... A ni- nice reference. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I disagree with um, Ebert in that I don't find her character bitter at all. If anything, she's one of the strongest on-screen and smartest on-screen characters I've seen in a long time. She's very vulnerable. And any sort of view where you think, like, she's the saint in this relationship and, like, he's the bad guy is so flawed. Um, What did you think of the chemistry of the characters in Heartburn versus in When Harry Met Sally? 
now that you bring it up, if we're comparing them, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal have a little bit better chemistry than Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. I liked Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson together. I think they were in a couple other films together, but this was putting these two huge stars with each other. Mm-hmm. And I liked them together. I mean, Meryl Streep in Heartburn is very ambitious and straightforward, but allows herself to sort of be easily swayed in either direction to do things that she maybe, like, knows in her heart that she doesn't totally want to do. Because mm-hmm. in the first scene of Heartburn, yeah. um, she, she plays Rachel, who is a bit of a proxy for Nora Ephron herself. Yes. Um, she says, I'm never getting married. I've, I've been married. Jack Nicholson's been married, too. Mm-hmm. She's like, I hate marriage. I'm never doing it again. He eventually kind of convinces her to marry him. And the scene at their marriage is played for laughs it's played very comical she's like lying on the bed in her wedding dress with her hair all done with flowers in it just being like no i don't want to do this and everybody's like waiting for hours falling asleep (laughs) and he finally jack nicholson finally comes in and like gets into you know onto the bed with her her, (laughs) he spoons her and sort of talks her into it but it's it's so funny to see her just like throwing a child's tantrum at her own wedding Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually he brings her to DC, they get mm-hmm. this house that's a mess, it's like a big fixer-upper, and they have kids, and, you know, she's just, throughout all of this, she's just so happy, she's so, mm-hmm. like, blithe and blissful, um, and then everything sort of goes wrong. hmm Wow. I, I never really saw it that way before, that she is sort of... Yeah, she's swayed in whichever direction he pushes he pushes her in. I I do love the scene before their wedding actually, where he spoons her and says, "Do you know where your shoes are?" And she says, "Huh? What?" And he says, "I know where your shoes are, and I know everything else about you, and this is only the beginning." And I. I've always found that so romantic, but at the same time, when I watched it last time. You know what came to mind? The scene from Girls. <laughs> I'm a man and I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I guess there is a certain amount of, like, just be comfortable and I'll direct you in the, on the right path. Just trust me. Sort of like you just sit there and be happy and yeah. I'll worry about the yeah. troublesome things. Which I guess I have found romantic in previous viewings. <laughs> I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, though, to find mm-hmm. those things romantic. I mean, it's the perfect epitome of sort of the Prince Charming fairy tale that we've been digesting since we were little kids. Yeah. I hadn't seen her as that until you... Dashed your dreams exactly. about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really did. I really was rooting for them, though. I, I liked that, you know, when Jack Nicholson's character is introduced, it's like, oh, he's always single. He's perpetually single. You know, uh-huh. like, he just dates women and throws them away. But um, but Rachel yeah. is the one woman that breaks his habit. You know, every, exactly. every woman, and this happens in many of Nora's screenplays and films, all, you know, our protagonist women want to be the one woman who mm-hmm. breaks the chain of trysts and meaningless relationships for the man they want to get the hard to get man and be that one woman who changes it all because it feels so much more special 
And so when I watch When Harry Met Sally, like the last 20 minutes of it isn't very believable to me. After they sleep together, you know, they have a fight, and the fact that he keeps calling her and apologizing, I just don't see a guy like that doing that. I I thought the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I understand them maybe getting back together eventually, but the fact that he was, like, really pushing for it was out of character, um, I thought. And and then running through the streets to find her, it just didn't gel. Doesn't every romantic comedy have to have some scene of <laughs> running, though, towards, your, towards the thing yeah. that you want? Yeah. I agree with you, though. If I was in a situation, he would totally ghost me. You know, it's like you sleep together, it gets weird, and that is it. Yeah. And right afterwards, he was talking to his friend, and he said he felt suffocated. So, like, what changed to make him think otherwise and, like, suddenly want a relationship? Can I just point out something that you reminded me of? Sure. Um, Why do men, especially in romantic (laughs) comedy, having this conversation? (laughs) The podcast just became, why do men... (laughs) I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say. Why do men in romantic comedies always have the, like, exposition-advancing, plot-advancing conversation with their friends at batting cages or driving ranges? What is that? (laughs) And then, and then, I was like, is it going to happen in this movie or is it not? Because usually, at least these days, at the end of that batting cage scene, our protagonist gets hit Mm. in the head or the balls with a baseball. Yeah. And I was like, is Billy Crystal going to do it? it? Why waste (laughs) it? Why does that happen? I mean, there's just so much dialogue in this movie that, especially on this viewing, I became very conscious of, like, I guess the business that actors do while talking to each other. Some of it was, yeah, at the batting cage. Um, I mean, there was a lot of eating, which I think Nora Ephron just loves to incorporate into her movies in general. Because she was a food writer, you should say, uh, for Esquire Mm -hmm. for many years. And the whole salad thing is actually her in When Harry Met Sally, the whole salad dressing on the side. That's actually Nora Ephron. There's a lot about friends in both of these movies. We, we saw a lot of the conversations that the lead characters had with their friends. I think about that scene in When Harry Met Sally where right after they sleep together, they call their friends who are the couple that they inadvertently set up, who are now living together and about to get married. And it's the classic uh, three-panel phone scene where, Mm -hmm. you know, you have Harry and Sally on either end and the two friends who are both talking to them on separate phone lines. The rhythm of the conversation and the the choreography of that scene was so perfect. Yeah. Um, Just the way all of that dialogue fit together. And when that scene ended, I even said to you, like, that was a brilliant Nora Ephron scene. I'm also thinking of the scene in Heartburn where all the couple, Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep, are having dinner, which, again, they do a lot <laughs> with their friends, and each person has to define themselves with just a handful of words. And it, yeah, it was a nice reminder that these people aren't just someone to add dimension to the lead character, they actually are figures of their own, even if we don't see too much into their personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that both movies have in common is the other partner, uh, or like in case of Heartburn, it's the, we don't see very much of her, but it's the, 
we briefly see a glimpse of the person that Jack Nicholson is cheating on Meryl Streep with. Mm-hmm. The tall woman, Thelma. Exactly. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of love triangles in movies in general. And often in romantic comedies, these things are handled so poorly so that the other person is so clearly evil. Like, there are these very specific characteristics that makes this person a bad choice. Like, why would he cheat on his perfect wife with this other woman? And in this case, like, we don't know anything about her, and I appreciate that the movie didn't go there. Mm-hmm. Like, Meryl Streep is, of course, mad at her, and I think she calls her a bitch at one point, but, like... Well, she also starts a vicious rumor about her. <laughs> yeah. That draws the empathy of her actual friends. That's true. But that's, uh, you know, that's a mark against Meryl Streep versus this other woman. True. And then in When Harry Met Sally, we see the partners that Harry and Sally are with throughout the film. We, like, see a couple of boyfriends and girlfriends. And, you know, these people are never bad people. Like, it's never, like, a clear arrow that Harry should leave this person and go be with Sally because the other person is evil it's just because they're meant to be together (laughs) right there's this whole idea about who is the right person for you Mm -hmm. you know carrie fisher who plays sally's friend in when harry met sally yeah um the first time we see her on screen she gives this whole speech about you know the right person is out there for you you just have to go find them before they become someone else's husband yeah so what if your husband marries someone else right that's the line so um, you know, so many of these movies, romantic comedies in general, but also Nora Ephron movies, have this idea that it's all about the pursuit of the right person, which in a way is realistic. I mean, at least I didn't get the whole idea of there being only one right mm-hmm. person for you. Did you? No, I, I agree with that. It, you know, it narrowed down the playing field so that ultimately we knew that Harry and Sally were meant to be together at the end, but at the same time... Some of the other people they were dating seemed perfectly nice. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was so in love with Helen and, like, missed his ex-wife through much of the film made it seem that, like, oh, maybe he needs to be with her? (laughs) He loved her so much. Right. Which, Which backs up the idea that there's not just one right person. Exactly. I mean, take even something like Sleepless in Seattle or the... I like to think that You've Got Mail is the alternate universe version of Sleepless in Seattle. (laughs) That's interesting, yeah. Just fast-forwarded in the future. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, we know that Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are going to end up with each other, it's not necessarily clued to us that they're the only person out there for one another, Mm -hmm. but for where they are in their lives, they're the right person. Mm -hmm. I I always got the sense that after the cameras are turned off and the credits roll and the movie ends, they don't necessarily have to live happily ever after. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's okay. It's more like, that's life. You know, in in so many of Nora's movies, the characters are on their second marriage, or they're on their third marriage, yeah. or they never got married, and they're just, you know, going with the next person who is right for them at that time. Yeah. And I always kind of appreciated that about her. Absolutely. It definitely makes it more realistic than typical fairy tale story, where it's just pushing other people aside because they're not the one. Yeah. I I liked the intimacy of Heartburn a lot more than the kind of 
tension of when Harry met Sally. Yeah, I mean, I loved Heartburn. I thought it was, I thought it was great. And Meryl Streep, of course, is amazing to watch yeah. on screen. I also like that it's sort of a no bullshit movie because yeah. it doesn't end with them living happily after happily ever after together. It ends with her leaving him mm-hmm. and tentatively embracing her newfound freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not how most romantic comedies end these no. days. And in addition to that, like kids are really prominent part of it. Like, and so yeah, at the end she's carrying both of them. So it's like, it's not just her leaving and finding her independence. It's like, she's embracing motherhood and being on her own with children. Right. And we're not supposed to feel bad for her either. No. Um, what I think what I like best about Nora Ephron is she stays really grounded and really so much, you know, she's so much a realist and she tells it like it is. There's a lot of no bullshit in her stories and it's grounded in that. But there's also this idea that there are infinite possibilities when it comes to love mm-hmm. and that anything can happen and the person that seems wrong for you might be right for you and you just have to Give it time. <laughs> Give it time, but also things can be sort of magical mm-hmm. in real life. And I, I love that about her because she keeps us sincere and she keeps us honest. I like her because her movies, despite myself, I have trouble with romantic comedies, but her films, yeah, they they push the right buttons without really manipulating you. They definitely... They hit the sweet spot, but at the same time, they acknowledge um, the ridiculousness of a lot of typical romantic stories. She walks a really fine line, and in case of heartburn, even if you don't end up with a perfect man, like you can still have a happy life, and I, I like that resolution. We'll definitely miss you, Nora. Yeah. Well, this has been Bonnie and Maud. I'm Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Xenia Yarosh. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Because we're on iTunes. Uh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> See ya. I think we need to have, like, a parting word. Like, like you know how uh, Gary Springer always has, like, oh, Gary no. Springer's, like, <laughs> last word? I think we need something like that. Um, might, might take another episode or two. <laughs> Nora Ephron makes me believe in love. I